0: Well hello everyone, I just want to welcome you to the our flagship conversation, our flagship podcast of uh, Real Talk about Children's Mental Health. My name is Laura LaFever and I want to welcome everyone to this initial podcast. One of the things, one of the questions that I'm frequently asked, which surprises me, is basically who is the Children's Center? What is the Children's Center? And after 24 years of employment here at the Children's Center, it still surprises me how many individuals and families in the community still don't know about us. Um, We're a wonderful organization and so we're going to get that question answered today. Welcome to the Real Talk About Children's Mental Health podcast, brought to you by the Children's Center in Midtown Detroit. I'm your host, Laura LeFever, and I have the pleasure of being the Director of Community Projects at the Children's Center. In each episode, we'll get real about the unimaginable mental, social, and behavioral health challenges faced by Detroit's most vulnerable children and families every day. Why is this important? because at the Children's Center, we're passionate about healing children. We believe every child deserves a chance to succeed, to become the amazing person they were born to be. Because we know when you lift a child's spirit, you ultimately lift an entire community. My guest today is Deborah Matthews, who is our CE President and CEO of the Children's Center and so welcome Deborah. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you Laura. Thank you. Thank you. First let me say again this is our flagship conversation. This is our flagship podcast and thank you for your vision and thank you for allowing this podcast to take place. If it wasn't for you this wouldn't be happening. Well I am
1: happy to do so. We need to ring this this bell louder in our community so I'm so happy to do it.
0: So absolutely absolutely. Let's dive into just that. Can you tell (coughs) me or tell us Who is the Children's Center? What's our mission?
1: Well, the Children's Center mission is to help children and families shape their own futures, which sounds really simple, but is very comprehensive. And we exist exactly for that purpose, because we really believe that as we help children to grow, to heal, to thrive, that we're helping our entire community to become healthy and more strong, and that's important. We're 90 years old this year, so that's an exciting marker for us, yes. and we were fo- founded by a gentleman, James Cousins, who had great passion and empathy for the plight of children at that time, way back in 1929. And that passion for children really extends to their families, and because we've learned today, that families must play an absolutely vital part uh, in what's helpful for the children. Um, Decades ago, the Children's Center maybe didn't have that focus and did more on the children individually, but now we realize that it's very critical. And the special little ones that we serve here at the Children's Center come to us with behavior, emotional problems, some with developmental disabilities, and often many of them have been abused or neglected. And so it's our job to guide them and their families through the process of adjusting, coping, uh, healing, treating what is going on with them and with the ultimate goal of them being very healthy and on a road to recovery. And it's truly a journey for these families. We don't expect that they come here and in a week or two, children are better necessarily. Uh, But we are here, our staff, highly qualified staff who are all either masters or, or higher um, educated uh, to guide the process and help the families to understand that they truly do know what's best for their children and their youth and we're here just to help them through the process and we're fortunate enough and I say really fortunate to see about 7,500 of these special children and their families every year.
0: Wow, that is, that is a lot and we've been doing this work as you said, this is our, is this our 90th anniversary? Yeah, this is our 90th year. Ninetieth year seeing children's and children and families. Um, what is if you could say one thing about the children's center and the work that's done? Um, how would you describe it, or what what impacts you the most? Is there a story that impacts you the most? You know, I think
1: that seeing families really know how to turn around what's going on is really exciting to me. Uh, when they now know how to deal with child, which whether it's behavior. Or you know some of our children with developmental disabilities, families are really distraught because they don't understand what to do. They're Mm. embarrassed, and when they can really see how special that child is despite the challenge, you know that is just very much uh, what we're all about—to help them see the possibilities and see how things can improve with a plan and support around them. So, so really it. My work really comes from this deep, deep place inside and a sense of responsibility to children. Uh, Children who have had pain and suffering um, or dealt with challenges far too long. It's no fault of their own. And so it's our job to embrace them, help them to enjoy, enjoy their childhood and have educational success, but most all heal the family so that these children Uh, really have a sense of belonging uh, to a group of of members who love them, guide them, and support them in their journey. So it's really a a, a personal issue for me. Uh, When I see many of these children, I see myself. Mm -hmm. I see the fact that with the challenges that I had as a young person, um, things could be so much different for me now had I not had someone who embraced me and helped me along. Um, I never thought back then that I could be the CEO of an organization. And so I take this very personally and feel a sense of responsibility to make sure as many children as possible, get the help they need as early as possible so that they can, um, first of all, have a childhood. Honestly, Mm -hmm, I don't remember a childhood because of what I was dealing with. And I want these babies to have fun and feel this sense of belonging, have all of their needs met. And, and, you know, that's an awesome task. And helping families to be able to do that will help all of us in society.
0: It is. It is really an awesome task. And I want to circle back around. um, You were spending some time talking about the passion Mm -hmm. and commitment that you have for this work. Um, What many people may not know is that you have been the CEO of the Children's Center since... 15
1: years. It'll be 15 years in April of 2020.
0: But before becoming the CEO, the president and CEO, you, your your history with the Children's Center goes a few years back.
1: Right, uh. actually 35 years, it'll be 35 years, I think, in 2020. Um, I started as a finance director uh, in the mid 80s and worked here for about two years, then moved on. And when I moved on, um, I love the Children's Center so that mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to be asked to be on the board of directors. So I spent 17 years as a volunteer, as a board member, and uh, then when this opportunity became available to be President and CEO, it, it was just the excitement of my life because I never thought that I really could do such a thing, but, uh, but actually being able to do that and fulfill that need in me to help mm, yes. and uh, support this organization has just been um, a dream come true for me.
0: And it really does speak to the passion that you have for the work. This is difficult work.
1: It is very, very tough.
0: It's very tough work. Um, We have a lot of stories that are sad stories. We have a lot of stories uh, that end up in in strong resilience as families Mm -hmm. make it through their journey. When you talk about your passion for this work and and you mentioned it, um, that this reminds you or some of the stories remind the fact that you didn't Mm -hmm. have a childhood with Mm -hmm. some childhood memories. Want to spend a few minutes to talk about the stigma around receiving mental health services. Mm -hmm. And does this work get any easier? It doesn't get
1: easier, but what we learn, especially today with some of the supports we have with evidence-based practices and some of the brain science that we um, use now to help inform the work that we do, it helps us to understand how we've got to help people to not view the challenges from a behavioral health standpoint, mental health standpoint, with such stigma as many of us have experienced for decades and decades in our communities and in our families, and you know when you think about the fact that uh, studies show that people who experience a behavioral mental illness die 25 years sooner no. than others that don't. You know mm-hmm. that's ridiculous because so what that does is create this level of stigma where people don't want to get the help that they need. So families don't want to get their kids in to be seen right. because they're embarrassed. You know, the kids feel horrible. Oftentimes they're bullied and feel hopeless um, or, or unfortunately think of suicide. You know, that's just ridiculous to think that there's such a stigma around just getting yourself taken care of. Right. Our physical health, most people don't have a problem with it they will go and get their exams and even with men they go kicking and screaming but they get them because there's no there's no uh shame in that yes and the same thing has to happen with our mental health
0: and especially with our children's mental health especially
1: with our children our
0: our children there it's their um Safety and their treatment is incumbent on adults. Exactly. To be willing to take those next steps. Right. To, to come in and have a conversation.
1: I encourage families to not be ashamed of this. You know, I remember growing up, everybody had that uncle or auntie that everybody called crazy and they were right. there in the household or right. in the basement. We tolerated them. They weren't really getting the help that they needed, but we tolerated them. We loved them. And so what we've got to do is just come out of the basement with that. It's not about the fact that you're different, you're acting differently, so you know, hey, you stay hidden away. No, let's celebrate the fact that we have solutions. Yes. We have opportunities to help folks improve in the area of their mental health so that they can be extremely viable and a strong part of family. So that's my desire is to make sure that mental illness is treated no differently than anything else
0: you said something Deborah, one time and it was at one of our events and you had mentioned that you'd love to be able to see the Children's Center work their way out of out, out the <laughs> yes. business wouldn't that
1: be great if it, we didn't need this organization we're 90 years old I'd be very happy if we if there were no children out there suffering um, so that's really what that's all about wanting to make sure that children and families get what they need and if that means we don't need to be around here, then great, be you nice? know, if children are more, the, the, the desire is to have children feel this sense of belonging, not feel the hopelessness that we see oftentimes with the children who come here to the Children's Center, uh, but feel that they have a pathway to education, that they're ready when it's time for a job, you know, that kind of thing is, is so very critical. And if we can get to the point where there's just a little bit of support that families need and they leave us sooner, mm-hmm. great. Right. You know, I would love to work us out of business.
0: We, we do so much for families around mental health Behavioral health. We work with families in the child welfare mm-hmm. system, and um, making those connections so that these young people, our children, can walk through this journey. But there are other things that we do with our families that are outside of yes. the mental health, behavioral health realm. Can you speak to that? Because I know we do so much, right? And which is so important to talk about those additional enrichment and ancillary programs right. we have. Um, so you know. I'll kind of start
1: with the fact that the majority of our funding for this organization, we have a $25 million budget, and the majority of that comes from the government sources, Medicaid and other sources within our state and federal government, uh, but it really does not do all that we need it to do to help families because we know from um, our education and what brain science says and and other areas um, of mental and behavioral health um, field, that it takes a lot to deal with what the families in Detroit there's still more than 50 percent of the families that live in poverty in Wayne County it's pretty significant as well and so we know that our families need so much If once they make a decision to bring their child in oftentimes they're hungry some of them don't have adequate housing and clothing so we have to as an organization be sensitive to the fact that we need to be able to address some of those Uh, issues and needs uh, before we can even begin the therapy or any treatment plan with these families. So, yes, we have, we provide food, uh, you know, on a short-term basis Mm -hmm. because there are others in the community that can do it better on a long-term basis, but, you know, you can't talk to a hungry child or family. So, the food, the clothing, um, and then begin to deal with the other things that kids need. They need fun time. Yes. So we have a, a, a group of programs we call Bridging the Gap, is kind of like the category, where we are, are able to provide for these families um, um, homework help, uh, movie night, you know, a lot of great opportunities for them to feel like they can just be a child. Yes. You know, birthday parties it's unfortunate when a child doesn't uh, isn't able to because the family can't afford it or there may be behavior issues so they don't have birthday parties or get invited to parties. so every child at the children's center gets a birthday party in the month in which they're born and we celebrate that for them
0: that was you know Deborah I'm glad you said that you know my work throughout the agency um, over the um, past several years I did encounter uh, a family there was a young lady that we had in Um, because of the situation she was born into and was now in foster care she did not know when her actual birth date was and to me that was just so mind-boggling and she did not have the opportunity to have a birthday Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately or fortunately there had to be a birth date set for her by the state selected by the state Mm -hmm. Um, but through our monthly birthday programs she was able to actually have a birthday party, Absolutely. Of, which was so wonderful for her. Mm-hmm. And she was more or less a um, into those preteens before she was able to have a birthday party. But it was so impactful for yeah. her, and that was a long-lasting impression for me. Yep, and
1: I, I think what, right before we started doing this, which was probably about 13 years ago, um, we had a child come up and say to one of our, our directors that they didn't know when their birthday was. And it so impacted her that she got on this quest of, hey, we've got to change this. And we were able to get supporters in the community, organizations, we have a backlog of people who want to give birthday parties uh, for these kids. So it is just a tremendous way to show them their worth, you know, to help them to celebrate. If they don't get invited to friends' parties, they can now invite their cousins and their friends. We've had parties as large as 100 kids and and that's a special time but then also kids need educational support Mm -hmm. when you so when you think about homework help when you think about our literacy center which was funded by a donor who was really excited about overall literacy um, children have to read and we know if they don't read by third grade what the likelihood is that they will not graduate um, you know at, at the point that they should so we've got to get Uh, make that a part of regular life. So we want them to read books. We want them to check them out, bring them back. If you don't want to bring them back, keep them (laughs) as long as you read them. (laughs) Yes. Um, So helping kids with literacy, helping them with educational goals such as preparing for the ACC, ACT and SAT, which I hear they don't even have both of them anymore, it shows you at my age, but that's okay, <laughs> right. whatever the need is to go on to further their education, if they're interested in college, and if they're not, guess what? There's trade school, yes, there are other opportunities, so opportunities for these children, so supporting that, and you know, we have 100% of our kids in our Independent Living Yaz program graduate high school, why? Because they've got that support, they're they're somewhat independent, but they've got that support from our staff saying, "Hey, this is critical to your life, and we're going to make sure we support you getting there."
0: Right, and that should be applauded. You know, one of the, this is really the great thing uh, about the Children's Center. Our focus, our intentional focus, is to help children and families through this mental health journey. Mm-hmm. But we're also looking at really Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Exactly, you you cannot get to some of the mental and behavioral health issues that are going on. If someone is hungry, Mm -hmm. if they're failing in school, um, if their uh, housing situation isn't the way it should be, and the great thing, and from what I'm hearing you say, there's just this great intentionality Mm -hmm. from the agency to really pull all those things together.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, you know, it takes an investment.
1: You know, we have a philanthropy department Uh, But when you're trying to fill in that gap of only being paid maybe 70 to 80 cents on a dollar Mm -hmm. to do programs, a lot of the dollars will go toward just the basic program. But the ancillary things that we offer are critically important. We see that as getting the kid to first base. You know, if you can't get them there, then it's gonna be very tough to go further. So we will continue to invest in these enrichment programs is what we call them, and they're really basic need efforts and we will continue to do that. And we can only do it because of the donors that support us, the volunteers who are willing to come here to help us in one way or the other. We have over 1,700 individuals from the community that come and volunteer at the Children's Center every single year. That's
0: mind-blowing. That's a
1: tremendous number. So we have to have a force of people to organize them, get the background checks, because we don't let anybody with our babies. So we have to make sure that they're appropriate, Um, and that they're cleared uh, criminally and otherwise. And then when we get past that, they can come in and help us with a myriad of things. Hands on with the kids, um, you know, or just financially. We really need people to paint and do landscaping. So we have a myriad of needs that uh, we are so fortunate to have people who want to be a part of this solution.
0: We we just have a really great team of, of individuals that are part of the Children's Center. Um, to help do all this work. One of the things I want to touch on and have you speak about, um, you do so much as a leader for this agency and um, frankly I don't know how you do it and I don't even know if you sleep at night. (laughs) Most nights Uh, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) But um, you do, your voice, you are a huge advocate for children and families and, and the work of mental health and child welfare spend a little time to talk about what you do in terms of advocacy Mm -hmm. at the legislative level. Right. So sometimes I feel like every dollar we
1: get, I have to fight and get bruised as, (laughs) you know, to even be able to retain it or or get it for these children. And so what that takes is tons of advocacy. We have local departments here uh, within our city um, that are responsible for dollars that come down from the feds through the state. And so locally, I'm always talking to somebody here about our needs uh, for funding or policy changing, but also at our state level. So before our, our legislature, our uh, appropriations committees uh, in Lansing, and then even nationally. So we've got, we've got senators and representatives on the national level that we also have to say, hey, we need a different kind of policy here in order to do what we need to do for children. Uh, An example of that, one of our groups that we work with nationally, the Alliance for Strong um, Families and Communities, uh, they're really supportive of a lot of the federal legislation that comes down that's friendly to children. What we find is because children don't vote and and the children that we serve here, their families are sometimes so disenfranchised that they don't even vote or they don't really understand the process enough to advocate for themselves. So it's our job to fill in that gap, not only ourselves and our voices with the federal and the state legislators, but helping families to understand how they can do it for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, the legislators wanna hear and see those families because that's gonna make greater impact uh, than even what we say. Because sometimes they see us as just trying to keep our good job, uh, but it really is about the families and what they need. We had one representative that came in last year and we had families there talking to her so when when you know so she has done so much for us since then because she can hear the voices of those families ringing in her ear uh sharing the good that's been done with the program that was frankly on the chopping block at the time and so that level of support the word gets out there and we're able to sustain and save our programs change policies so that the dollars can flow in a better way all of that is critically important that's probably a good third of my job Um, here at the Children's Center is being that voice uh, for children, um, to myself say what they can't say and then to help them and their families um, say what needs to be said in terms of what their needs are.
0: Yeah, no, it is is endless work. I I see and listen and watch what you do and, and so appreciative of, your continued voice for advocacy for the work. And you not only advocate for the Children's Center, but I know you advocate for many other organizations as well because we're doing similar work. Right, well, you know, it's a community effort. We can't do it
1: all here at the Children's Center. And what our families need sometimes has to come from a different organization with a different focus. So it's all about community. And our purpose is existing to strengthen this community. So that will always be, um, you know, what we're,
0: what, what our goal is. Okay. Deborah, what would you say are some of the lasting benefits of the work of the Children's Center? What are some of the lasting impacts that you see the work that um, our staff are doing here at the Children's Center and the benefits to Detroit and to Wayne County?
1: You know, when I think about how strained the workforce is in this area, I think about the fact that if we don't do something with children and youth now, that problem is going to continue. So when I see the little things, the little steps, and sometimes really big steps that our children and our families make, I'm really excited about it. Such as a child who's living with autism, who came in and would not speak, has never spoken, let's say, in three years of their lives, and then within a year and a half, they're talking to their families. They're verbalizing. They're they're uh, able to communicate what their needs are. That is tremendous. I can't, um, you know, even imagine what life was for them before they were able to now communicate with their families. That is huge for these families. And then you've got some with autism who end up in kindergarten or first grade, and their families never thought, or they were diagnosed that they would never be able to fit in. To me, that is critically important. I spoke earlier about 100% of our youth graduating high school, that is huge. Our public school system and private school systems can't brag about that kind of percentage. Uh, We see uh, children with fewer challenging behaviors because of, uh, based on what they were experiencing and now what they've been taught, so they're missing fewer days in school, they're not facing the kind of suspensions that they were uh, when you look at our crisis center, which is an area that families can bring their children uh, when they're having a, an emergency situation, not to go to the emergency room or children's hospital, that, not that, but to come here to where we've got trained professionals to address their needs, over 70% of these kids would have either gone into a hospital or been in a residential placement rather than home with their families. It, when you think about the fact that we've diverted them from that. So you've got the cost of the system, them not actually going into a hospital or a residential facility. Uh, you've got the lower cost there, but you've also got a better quality of life now with the family taking their child back home, knowing how to control and deal with what's going on in that family. So when you think about that, you know, so many of our children here deal with ADHD you know, as a secondary or maybe a primary diagnosis. And we have a clinic in which not only the child learns how to control that behavior, but the families know how to deal with it. I mean that kind of thing, being a mom of an ADHD kid who's now a grown up with the same issue, it's critically important and certainly helps them with education and job uh, readiness as well. So when I think about those kinds of things that we see every day that happens with with families, a child being able to now express the abuse and the trauma that they face when before you know, you were seeing acting out behaviors and didn't know why. So I mean, those kind of things are tremendously important to improve the lives of our children and then grow that workforce of people who really can um, work and are educated and, and can contribute to society and have a better sense of self. You know, to me, those are all critical success areas and we, I can think of countless examples of that.
0: No, there's so many examples, and there's so again, as I said, there's so much great work being done. Deborah, I want to thank you for your time, I want to thank you for your passion. Um, you this will not be your first and last time on this <laughs> podcast, I hope. I uh, would love to have you come back and again speak more about the work that is being done, um, especially around your advocacy for the work being done in this sector. You do so much. Um, and so passionate, and I think that's one of the reasons why we are so successful as an agency, because we have such a fantastic leader um, in your leadership. So thank you for participating in this flagship podcast. And Well, you know, Laura, I know our time has
1: probably been prolonged a little bit, but I have to leave the audience with a few things sure, to think please. about. One is, no matter who you are, you can participate in what I'm about to say. So you can tell your friends and families about the Children's Center so that they can bring their children here if they need help. If you're already here utilizing our services here at the Children's Center, do everything within your power to help your child stay compliant with the plan. Bring them to their appointments. That's critical. And then we, of course, I mentioned about our services that we provide, our enrichment, the things that families need. We need gently donated clothing all the time. Uh, in good shape. We need non-perishable food. We need people to come and volunteer in whatever area that they feel comfortable in or serve on one of our committees. Uh, We need people who are even able to support us financially. So please visit our website, uh, thechildrencenter.com, and continue to be a voice, an advocate for our children at the state, at the federal level, any chance you get We want policies, we want support for children. And uh, so I would encourage all of us, we can step into one of these areas probably from day to day all the time. So please do because children are an important asset and we wanna see them grow, we wanna see them thrive. And so let's do it.
0: All right, we can make it happen. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and this conversation, just wait because we're going to have uh, other individuals from the Children's Center who are just as passionate about the work. So stay tuned and have a great day. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of The Real Talk About Children's Mental Health podcast. Our mission going all the way back to 1929 is to help children and families shape their own futures. If you like this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And please, please share with your friends on social media. The more people we can reach with the information we share on this podcast, the more children and families we can help get the care they need and deserve. Thank you for listening to the Real Talk about Children's Mental Health Podcast. I'm Laura LeFever. And until next time, remember to live, love, and laugh by being intentional about helping children to heal, grow, and thrive.